0: Welcome to the Anchor Daily. We're reading through the Gospel of Mark and reflecting on Jesus, whose death and resurrection paid the penalty for our sins and achieved victory over death. Hi there, I'm Nancy O'Brien from Bethel West Pasco, and today we're continuing our journey through the book of Mark. We're in chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. In this section, we see Jesus in some really interesting and unexpected interactions. As we begin this section, Jesus has withdrawn to a mountaintop, away from large crowds of people who were so excited to see him and touch him that it threatened to crush him. It is in the wake of this amazing display of power that Jesus calls 12 men to join him alone on the mountain, and there he appoints them as, as his apostles, his closest students and friends, and he tasks them with spreading his word, healing the sick, and exercising demons. Once they've been commissioned by Jesus, they all come back down from the mountain and return to the crazy crowds. And it's here Jesus encounters two groups of people, besides the crowds waiting to see him. There's a group of Pharisees and a group of his family. Both have come to confront and oppose the work he's doing, and this is the part of the text that I want to focus on today. I've read this passage many times, but in preparing for this podcast, I saw something that I had not seen before. I've always thought of the Pharisees as men who disliked Jesus and just wanted to make him look bad before the crowd. And I thought of his family as people who just hadn't taken the time to realize that their little boy had grown up into their Messiah. But I want to look at these interactions differently today. The Pharisees took their beliefs very seriously. And true, they did not trust Jesus and were fearful of his intentions. But why were they afraid? I think they were afraid because they assumed that Jesus was approaching things the same way they would have. Here's a man clearly with a lot of power, the power to heal, to command demons, to attract crowds, the power to distract people from the Pharisees' influence and control. So what would a Pharisee do in this situation? Well, I think they assumed anyone with that kind of power would use it for their own glory, to make money, to gain a following, to seize authority away from the Pharisees and take it for his own. So they fight back. They fight for what they perceive as theirs. They hurl accusations at Jesus they try to sully his reputation and they encourage people to turn against him. Jesus' family, on the other hand, doesn't care about the crowd. They want to rescue Jesus from himself. They're worried about him. Verse 21 literally says, His family said he's out of his mind. It reminds me of a time when I was in college and my mom drove five hours to be with me because she knew I was having a hard time and she wanted to take care of me. I don't think these folks wanted to thwart the Son of God, they wanted to protect their son, their brother. And maybe at least a little bit, they wanted to protect their family's reputation. But why couldn't they just accept that Jesus was the Messiah and he had messianic work that needed to be done? Why weren't they there cheering him on? Again, I think they were reacting to Jesus' actions based on how they would have acted in that situation. They knew that if anyone were acting the way Jesus was, then they would most definitely be out of their mind and someone would need to intervene. I mean, he's not eating well. He's saying crazy things about casting out demons and fighting satan seriously nobody should be saying these things he needs to go home i know we know that both groups were very wrong jesus was not out of his mind he was not out to gain his own glory and power he had no desire beyond showing people the glory and love of his father and jesus wasn't crazy he didn't always need to eat god would provide for him in those moments He could cast out demons because he is the son of God and he is stronger than Satan. They all are looking straight at the truth but refusing to believe because it did not fit with their expectations of the world. How often do we do the same thing? How often do we look around at our circumstances and not believe that God is there? How hard is it to trust that losing your job is part of God's plan for you? Or that pain that just won't go away or that hurt that just keeps on hurting? That God is with you in that moment, in that hurt, in the tears, in the moments that just don't make sense. Can you believe that Jesus has not abandoned you to suffer alone? Or when something amazing happens, can you remember that you didn't make it happen, but God did? That it wasn't luck, it was God. I can't answer all of the whys that these questions lead to. I do not have the answer to why suffering occurs. But what I do know is that God doesn't lie. Jesus doesn't waver. Jesus has promised to never leave us or forsake us. That when we take Jesus at his word, he does not fail us. I do know that we can't always see the why. God's plans span lifetimes and eons. But I also know that when I look back at my life, God's hand is evident, especially when I couldn't see it at the time. Don't assume that God is approaching this world the way you are. God is a much better God than any of us ever could be. As the saying goes, God is God, we are not. And that's a good thing. Let's pray. Jesus, your ways are not our ways. Your promises for us are straightforward. You will never leave us or forsake us. Yet we repeatedly expect less from you. We expect that you will behave like we do, that you will not be there when we need you. I pray that our faith and trust in you would increase and our eyes would be open to see you working in our lives more and more each day. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to check out more podcasts just like this, you can go to Bethel.ch and you'll find amazing selections of podcasts and much more. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us with podcasts at Bethel.ch. See you next time.